Alright, it's Jack here. It's Wolverine Wrestling Report. Michigan got done a couple hours ago wrestling against Ohio State. Going to give a quick reaction to this one, uh, as well as a preview of Michigan's recently announced duel against Penn State on Sunday. It was, it was a wild duel. It was a really, really exciting one. It's one I'm going to remember for a long time. You know, when people talk about whether or not duels matter, um, you know, they're obviously talking about how much they mean toward crowning a national champion, um, and they, they don't at all. But they do matter if you want them to. They do matter in terms of what you're going to remember, you know, and, and what you feel like, um, you know, what was meaningful to you, something that you think was, you know, worth watching and worth caring about, worth, you know, celebrating, worth getting mad if you lose. Uh, and I think duels like this really are, you know, um, you, a lot of times people say, you know, you only remember, you know, what happens in March. You don't remember how a guy did in the regular season. But um, I'm going to really try and remember this duel. Uh, I'm going to remember the 10 guys that, that went out there tonight. Uh, I'm going to try and remember McHenry, Medley, Matten, Storr, Luan, Amin, uh, Logan Massa, Jelani Embry, Miles Amin, on uh, Paris. All ten of those guys, um, you know, really put on, um, you know, ma made a really big contribution to, um, you know, the, the team's history and to the sports history tonight. And I, I think that's worth remembering. Uh, just in terms of what what actually happened, uh, started at one sixty five. I would guess that was Michigan's choice. So the they changed the rule a couple of years ago. So the team that wins the flip gets to choose the starting weight. Uh, I would guess Michigan chose that weight because Ethan Smith for Ohio State is a pretty big guy for that weight. He wrestled at 174 a couple of years ago. Uh, I think at one point uh, wanted to go back up to 174. Uh, but then Carson Karchla at 65 got injured. Uh, and so for their lineup, he sort of had to go back down. Cam Amin wrestled him really tough. Um, you know, Amin got a takedown in the second period. He, he almost got taken down a couple times. Uh, Smith was definitely getting the better of the ties. He was getting the legs a lot more. There was a stall warning uh, in like late in the first that I didn't maybe early set. I think late in the first that I didn't really agree with. It seemed like it was a lot of half shots from Smith, and um, Amin was mostly staying in the center, you know, he wasn't blocking off too much, but he could have just gotten hit for stalling in the second period. It was um, it was clear, clearly Smith taking more shots and, you know, forcing the action a lot more. Smith uh, got a nice takedown uh, with maybe 30 or 40 seconds left and then rode out. Um, Amin got to his feet once or twice but wasn't able to clear away. And, um, you know, that's obviously a, a, a situation you work on, you know, the 30-second the ride out. Um, you know, Ethan Smith is a good wrestler. He's a guy I like a lot. I thought Amin wrestled pretty well. I think that's a type of match that in a year or two he'll be winning, you know, against a, you know, number 10 in the country type of guy. Um, couldn't get it done tonight, but not um, not too upset about that one. 174, we were expecting uh, a good match between Logan Massa and Caleb Romero. Instead, uh, 
It was Fritz Cheryl Romero. Uh, I probably should have realized he wouldn't be wrestling. He hurt his ankle against Michael Kemmerer from Iowa last week. Uh, Massa was pretty dominant. He got to legs pretty well. He, um, you know, he finished really cleanly, which is good to see. Um, I don't know if there's any real negatives. There was one moment where he he was in on a single, and he went around the way. Uh, he went to like the far hip a little bit early. Um, and Cheryl uh, is a really good Greco wrestler, and he kind of like clamped down on the wizard and went to an underhook on the other side, and sort of threatened to throw Massa. And that prevented him from finishing the takedown. But um, they they ended up in like a weird position. And Mass ended up kind of scoring with like a go behind anyway. Um, a, a pretty minor thing. It was it was a really good performance I thought from Logan Massa. 184. It was Jelani Embry, which was cool to see. He he hadn't wrestled at all this year. I don't know if he hasn't been healthy. Um, he wrestled Rocky Jordan. Did not do all that well. Um, he, he was very close to getting a takedown. Uh, they got into a, a weird position, so Jelani like almost scored. And then it seemed like he got too committed or felt too safe, felt like I'm the one that's trying to score here. My opponent can't do anything. He's just holding on here. And he, he kind of got in bad position. Like he didn't get, he didn't keep enough pressure on Jordan, uh, keeping him down. And he, he, um, he was, he was trying to um, free his leg. He, he got behind him, and he was just trying to get his leg free, and he sort of came up with his hips, and that allowed Jordan to bring himself up. Uh, and then it was, it was like a leg attack position for Jordan. Jordan got the takedown uh, and then got a tilt. Uh, we took bottom in the second, which I thought was a, a bad choice, um, and it, it turned out pretty badly. Got turned again, got hit for stalling. Uh, then they chose top in the third, did not get any more turns. Honestly, could have been a stall, and I think that would have been the fourth stall, which is two points, um, and I think that would have finished the Tech. Um, I think Michigan actually kind of got away with one and having that be a major instead of a Tech. Um, I think Jelani Embry's going to do better going forward. Um, he'll, I think his gas tank is going to be a lot better. Uh, and hopefully he, you know, was able to actually build a base and not just give up his wrist uh, quickly like that. And Jordan's obviously good on top. He he beat um who was it Bronigal from uh, Illinois, who's a good wrestler, uh, and got a couple tilts on him. But not um not a great start to his season. Hopefully he's able to turn things around. I think he's a much better option than. Joe Walker, Jaden Bullock, um, and at one point I thought Miles Amin would be at that weight. Turns out he's going 197. There had been a little bit of speculation, um, you know, based on you know social media comments and things like that, that he'd be going 97 uh, tonight. And sure enough, he took the mat against Gavin Hoffman. His right hand was pretty heavily taped up uh, to the point that the announcers thought he couldn't even grab with it he could like he could you know pull on your neck but he couldn't like close his hand so he couldn't grab your wrist or anything he was getting to shots pretty consistently it was mostly um a, a left hand single or sometimes a knee pull so he'd, he'd shoot righty and turn it into a left hand single 
and I think that probably speaks to his issues with grip. He he wrestled all right. He got to legs quite a lot. Uh, couldn't finish sometimes. He was this was kind of a problem for a couple guys from Michigan, but he would just shoot and then kind of not go anywhere. He wouldn't, you know, run his feet. He would just say, "All right, well, I've got your leg now, and just hold on." Uh, he gave up. Um, he gave up a takedown off his own shot in the first. I don't know if he has, is struggling to adjust to the weight class a little bit, where, you know, the guys just their hips are that much heavier. He also looked like his gas tank was not great. Um, it's possible he, he just hasn't really been wrestling since he last wrestled in early December at the RTC Cup. Um, that's obviously something you can improve uh, between now and the national tournament. I don't know if he'll be able to get to four, be able to get to four matches. Uh, tonight's one. Penn State is two. Michigan State is three. Michigan would need another. Uh, rescheduling, um, getting back, uh, you know, with a Wisconsin or the Illinois or the Iowa meet or something. Um, I kind of doubt that'll happen, but with with Michigan, with him, with Jelani Embry, with uh, Kurt McHenry, all being on track for three matches, it's possible Michigan really makes the commitment to try and get extra matches. You could also throw them into the extra matches at the end if you need to. Uh, heavyweight Mason Paris looked really good. He really took Tate Orndorff apart. I thought he would win that pretty easily, but it was even more dominant than I thought. He um, he showed a really good sense of urgency in that match, knowing that it was probably going to come down to bonus and that he needed to, um, you know, really pile up the points. He got, uh, like, he he was looking to pin him. He was working the bar pretty heavily in the first period. Um, he was trying to work the wrist under, put it behind his back, uh, and then he at some point made the switch to I'm going for the tech. Uh, started cutting him. Uh, hit a hit a double leg into a bottom leg Turk that was pretty nice. Got six points off of that. Finished it twenty to five. Really good match for Mason Paris. 125, uh, it, Dylan Ragazin didn't wrestle. I don't know why. That's a little bit concerning. Uh, but Kurt McHenry stepped in his first uh, his first start. He had one extra match against Indiana, and he lost that. Lost again today against Malik Heinzelman. He looked pretty good. You know, Some people were, were really positive about his performance tonight, saying, oh, you know, if he can just put on a little size, he'll be really good. Um seems like people have been saying that for a long time. He's in his third year out of high school. It seems like it should have happened by now. Um, that's also, Heinzelman's a, a pretty good matchup for him because he wrestles the same way uh, as Kurt does. You know, he's not going to grind you down. Um, but it was, I think, a, a pretty respectable for performance from McHenry. Hopefully Ragazin's back. Uh, for postseason, 133, um, probably the, um, the outstanding wrestler of the night, the uh, standout performance. So Jack Medley weighed in at 125 tonight, uh, and he wrestled an extra match at 25. So like he's been doing all season, he weighs in at 125 and wrestles up, which you do not really do in college. Weighs in eight pounds light, 
wrestles up at 133 against uh, Jordan Decatur, who has been a ranked guy at certain points. He goes in there, and I thought he would really struggle because he Decatur's a fast starter. Uh, you know, Medley obviously has a good gas tank, but Medley doesn't get to legs all that well. So it was 0-0 after the first. I thought that was encouraging. Uh, and then Medley got that takedown, and that was huge. Medley get, got to a carry, which wasn't something I'd seen from him much before. Um, scored two, and then got reversed, uh, which was you know could have been kind of demoralizing. You know, uh, it, it ended up being a wash. Decatur got his escape, so it's three three, and then Medley's still going, and gets to a single, and then goes through his progression to finish. You know, he comes out the back, he steps over the bottom leg. Uh, he gets his head out, uh, and he doubles off, gets two. And that that was just beautiful. That was, you know, just a really, really well-executed takedown. And it was off of a leg attack, which, you know, I, I didn't think he'd be able to do against a guy like Decatur. Really, really good performance from Medley. Uh, 141. Drew Matten against uh, Dylan D'Amelio. It was a, it was a really uh, hard-fought match. It was actually one of the most exciting matches. Uh, Matten got a takedown in the first. Uh, D'Amelio got a takedown in the second and again in the third. Um, seemed like he was starting to figure out um, the timing. He was getting to Matten's right leg a couple times. I don't know where Drew Matten stacks up this year at 141. Um, a loss, I mean, D'Amelio is not having a good year, and a loss to him is not encouraging. Um, but he, he didn't look bad. Um, you know, D'Amelio, I would say, mostly looked good. He's probably a qualifier. Is Drew Matten going to win a lot of matches at the national tournament? I don't know. Um, that, that was a tough one to lose. That would have basically sealed the duel for Michigan. But, um, you know, really good effort. And I think it showed the... Um, the level of intensity the duel was at, that those guys both just wrestled really, really hard all seven minutes. You know, both, you know, really battling for that that uh, match. 149, Store against Sasso. I mean, Sasso always beats him easily. Um, I kind of thought Store should just not do anything, because Sasso's so counter-heavy that if you just don't do anything against him, you can have a 4-1 type of match. Um, and, and Ohio State needed bonus. They, they needed to either have Cleary beat Luan or have Sasso pin Store, and it seemed like Store did not, did not do a great job of working to avoid bonus. He was, he was trying to win the match. Um, got to the legs once or twice. He, he got to a shot in the first. I thought he was going to score because he got to Sasso's left leg, which he's worse defending. You know, he, he's really good sitting in the corner when you get to his right leg. I think he's not as good when you get to his left, but he was able to scramble out of it. Uh, and that was basically his last chance because Sasso got a takedown towards the end of the first, rode him out. Got another one at the end of the second, wrote him out, um, and Store kind of just, he just he wasn't going to be able to take him down, so there's kind of no way for him back in, and every shot is just 
giving Sasso a chance to widen the gap uh, and, and maybe cradle you. So it all came down to 157. I thought Lawan would win comfortably. And part of it is probably in in a big duel situation. Sometimes you tighten up and it makes matches closer where the the guy who's kind of worse, the guy who's defending, uh, does better. But the guy who should be attacking doesn't do as well. Lawan kind of walked himself into a shot in the first, was lucky not to give up two. He, he started to pick it up later in the match, but he was very straight on. He was very square the whole time. He was shooting when he did shoot. It was that straight single uh, to the right leg. I think Cleary's a tough matchup for him because he's just pretty um, defensively you know, stingy. Uh, and Lawan struggles to open up those guys. He's better against somebody who's going to be a little more uh, fluid and a guy who's going to leave himself open a little bit. Where when the guy forces you to be the one to make him open up, uh, Lawan's not always as good at doing that. Um, I think the time off really hurt him. I think you know having that two-week break, he, um, he was a guy that at the start of last season struggled to, you know, get people moving. He didn't he didn't get to legs very often at the start of last year. You know, something he really improved on over the course of the season. Um, I'm hoping he can get back to form in the next couple weeks. But um it was a lot of you know just he would get his his collar tie and then just kind of not go anywhere. He'd be like, "All right, you know, I I've, I've got my tie. I'm in the position I want. This is winning." Um when that's that's step 1. That's you know, getting yourself in position to do something, but you've got to actually do something. And then when he would shoot, he would just kind of stop. You know, he gets the leg, and then he would stop moving his feet. He wouldn't build up. He wouldn't circle to it. And so he'd just be uh, just kind of sitting there, and Cleary would be able to square up. You know, for a second, he'd be like, ooh, this is a chance to score. And I was like, oh, no, we're not going to score from this position anymore. Um, went to uh, overtime... Uh, went to tie breaks. Uh, Cleary almost scored a reversal, which would have been a disaster. Um, probably would have been the uh, probably would have won it. Lawan was able to get his his other leg back, so they were in that shin wizard position for a while, which maybe a tactical mistake on Cleary's part. It's kind of a flaw in the rules that he he was away. He could have taken just broken contact and gotten his point at any time. But he was working for the reversal, and so their riding time kept building in Luan's favor. Uh, and so both times he eventually just let it go, um, got the escape, but Luan built up a lot of riding time. It happened in both the first and the second tie breaks, uh, and so Luan was able to get his escapes. It's 3-3. Luan had something like 40 seconds of riding time. And at, at the end, when Cleary had to chase... You know, when Cleary was shooting, um, you know, he, he was never close to scoring. You know, he, he couldn't create any kind of angle, any kind of misdirection. Lawan, you know, was on top of everything. And I, I think it kind of showed the what kind of match that was. Lawan was not in too much danger of getting scored on himself. It was just, you know, can he, you know, get through? Can he actually score on this guy? Uh, and tonight the answer was no, he couldn't get a takedown. And that's... 
if if he wrestles like that in March, that's going to be a problem. Now, I, I think he'll be able to fix that, but uh, it is something that needs to be fixed. But um, cr- credit to him for you know competing the, the way he did that whole match. He was you know clearly going really really hard. Clearly wanted to leave everything out there, and I, th- I think the entire team did, tonight did that. And um, I'm really glad I got to watch it. Now onto the Penn State preview. All right, let's get started. Sure. Welcome to Wolverine Wrestling Report. I'm joined today by Jake Affariot. Jake covers wrestling for uh, the Daily Collegian, the Penn State student newspaper. He's currently the lead wrestling reporter and has been covering the team for a few years now. Jake, thanks how you for, doing? I'm doing well, buddy. Thanks, you, uh, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've just watched uh, Michigan beat Ohio State in a, a pretty exciting duel. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I mean, you know, admittedly, like, I didn't catch all of it, but, you know, just in what I know, obviously, having covered Penn State and, you know, the Big Ten for the last four years, um, you know, obviously, it's a big win for Michigan. I mean, I remember, you know, obviously, now Michigan's the second-ranked team in the country. I mean, I remember, you know, this is even going back last year, two years ago, when, like, yeah, obviously, they were perennially, they've been perennially good, but I don't think anybody necessarily had them as a top two or three team in the country. I think people probably had them as a top five or ten team in the country. And so the jump that they've been able to make, I think, has been impressive. And, you know, I think, especially this year, you know, a lot of, like, you're seeing a lot of different lineups and a lot of different rosters throughout, not just the Big Ten, but just, I mean, throughout the sport in general. And obviously we'll get into Penn State's lineup a little bit, um, but, you know, it's just been definitely an interesting thing to like see. I mean, no one really knows who's going. There's much less certainty this year, I would say, than in years past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I started watching, started following college wrestling closely in like 2013, which was kind of a down period for Michigan. And so, to see you know a team that you know I would be happy when they finish in the top ten now be a, a top three type team is nice to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't even say this at the top, but, um, Michigan is wrestling Penn State on Sunday. Uh, Penn State was originally scheduled to wrestle Iowa this weekend. Iowa's program has been shut down because of COVID-19 stuff. Uh, Michigan and Penn State were supposed to wrestle a week ago, but Michigan's program had been shut down. Uh, they've rescheduled it, uh, kind of at the last minute, but, uh, for Sunday morning, uh, it was 11, then they moved it to 10.30, then back to 11. Yep, now it's back on, on and it, BTN, it'll be on I think. Big Ten Network. So you can uh, avoid going out on the, uh, what, the sleepy city sidewalks. You can just <laughs> stay inside, watch uh, Big Ten Wrestling on Sunday morning coming down. Uh, so, Jake, what were your thoughts kind of on, I mean, we've talked about this a bit, but your thoughts of Michigan kind of going into this year? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously the big question marks were, you know, whether or not Stefan Mitric was going to compete. Um, you know, I mean, a lot. You know, I mean, a lot of the sort of perennial blue bloods in Michigan's lineup. You know, I think there were a lot of question marks surrounding them, and you know what they were going to bring to the table, how available they might be. Um, I mean, I remember, I think it was maybe like the first or second NLWC card was like 
the NLWC against Cliff Keen. Yeah, and, I think it was I mean, the first one was sort of pitched as like an RTC duel type of thing. Yeah, and I mean, I, I remember on that, you know, I think like Logan Massa wrestled pretty well. And, uh, you know, I think he might have even pulled off an upset or came within a point or two. Um, and so, you know, I think sort of early on, you got a glimpse of some of those guys. But obviously, like, you know, that wasn't full on like collegiate competition and it didn't necessarily count for anything. Um, but so I think that there were glimpses early, like in those RTC cups. And then, you know, I mean, again, obviously like the big 10 perennially the best conference in college wrestling. Um, now I haven't taken a super deep dive at Michigan schedule. Jack, you know this better than I have. I mean, I don't know like caliber of opponents, obviously Ohio state's always very good. Um, I don't know who else they've gone up against this year, but you know, I think nobody is really surprised necessarily that given, you know, Michigan's hammers are in the lineup, that this is what the result's been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so Michigan at one point was sort of uh, talked about as the team that might be able to beat Iowa uh, and win a team title. Uh, do you think there's any truth to that? Do you think Penn State's maybe more likely? Do you think Iowa State's just going to run away with it? Nobody can touch them? Oh. Uh... You know, I, I think it's tough. I mean, I think, you know, this like this iteration of the Penn State team is very, very young. Uh, Nick Lee and Roman Bravo Young are the only two upperclassmen in the starting lineup. Everyone else is either uh, uh, and Brady Berge, sorry. Um, but yeah, it's, it, or, and there might be like one other one, um, but you know, like by and large, it's a much younger lineup than in years past. I mean, you know, Aaron Brooks is only a sophomore. Seth Nevels is only a sophomore. You know, you've got three true freshmen in Joe Lee, Carter Storacci, and Michael Beard. Um, you know, nobody knows what might happen at 125. So, you know, I think, like, I think everything is going to need to go Penn State's way. Whereas I think Michigan and Iowa maybe have a bit more room and a bit higher margin of error. I think everything is going to need to go right for Penn State in order to, you know, seriously contend for a title. And I mean, you know, who knows, you know, we might get to March and the team race might be, you know, you know, not solidified on, you know, the second or third day. But, you know, my guess is that Penn State will definitely finish top five. Um, it, it's also hard to bet against Penn State, just given, you know, the pedigree and everything like that. I mean, you know, I think Aaron Brooks has improved a lot from last year, and that's saying something considering he won a Big Ten title as a freshman. Um, you know, I think you've seen steady improvement every year from guys like Rowan Bravo Young and Nick Lee. And, you know, I think, so, you know, Nick Lee always battled Luke Pletcher pretty hard. You know, he's not going to have to deal with him this year. Um, you know, obviously RBY is going to have, you know, uh, Austin DeSanto and a bunch of the other, you know, perennially like studs in the conference. But, you know, I, I think, like I said, I think everything needs to go right for Penn State. I don't think everything needs to go right for Iowa. Yeah, I, I basically think uh, I was going to run away with it, but I, it's it's probably more likely Penn State does it because there's... I think more upside, more room for growth. Yeah, I mean, I think not having the duel is 
like makes it kind of hard to predict and kind mm -hmm. of hard to forecast because you know as has been the case you know my four years on the beat you know a lot of times the matches that you get in the Penn State Iowa duel wind up being either the semifinals or the finals of the Big Ten tournament and then those matches typically come in again like maybe the quarters or the semis or the finals at the NCAA tournament so I think that duel would have told us a lot now granted you know there's a chance they might reschedule they did manage to wrestle Wisconsin midweek uh you know a couple weeks ago but I think as of now you know again like it's it's hard to bet against Penn State because of history but it's hard to bet against Iowa in terms of recency mm -hmm. yeah so I like I'm pretty good at picking the national tournament I usually get uh in the high 60s, uh, in terms of number of All-Americans out of 80, uh, I always beat the seeds, and most people don't. I feel like this year I'm not going to have that much success with it because I don't follow high school wrestling. Mm -hmm. And so I just don't know enough about who these guys are. Yeah. Um, no, and I mean, yeah, like, you know, there are freshmen who, like, have burst on Well, that's the other thing about the freshmen in Penn State's program, especially... Joe Lee and Cordis Strachey and Michael Beard is, you know, they've gray-shirted, so they've been right. in the room for quite a while. And, you know, you talk to anybody who's gone through the Penn State room, I mean, since Kale's been there, you know, even going back to the days of, like, Dan Valamont and Frank Molinaro and Quentin Wright and Brian Pearsall and, and, like and, like, Kale's first teams, you know, the one thing that they'll always talk about is the caliber of training partner in the room and what a difference that makes. And I think there's something to be said, and I don't think it can be discounted for, like, yes, it's one thing to have a great training partner in the room, but I think having a great training partner in the room and then not having the pressure of needing to go out and compete, I think probably makes things a lot easier. So, you know, if you're gray shirting and you're gray shirting at 184 pounds, you know, you can go out and lose in practice to Bo Nickel or Shakur Rashid or whomever and not have to worry about how that result's going to translate in a team race or in a dual meet. And you can, I think, probably be a lot freer in that sense and still get the same benefit because you're in the room with those guys. And so I think, you know, like, yes, they're freshmen, but they're older freshmen, they're experienced and seasoned freshmen. And, you know, they're, they've trained, again, with guys like Shaq and Mark Hall, Vincenzo, you know, obviously Jason Nolf, Zane Rutherford, Bo Nickel are all still around. So I think that, you, you know, yes, typically I don't follow high school wrestling much either, but I think when it comes to, you know, those three freshmen in particular, I think that maybe is kind of what gives them an edge over some of the other freshmen who we're going to see across the country this year. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I, I feel like Penn State's a team that, is going to be dealing well with the pandemic with things like temporary shutdowns and stuff. I think Michigan, uh, some of the wrestlers at least, did not do very well with that. I thought um, I thought especially Will Lewan and Miles Amin uh, looked really rusty. Uh, Amin, it's, it's probably more to do with he hadn't, I don't think, been on the mat since RTC Cup. But Lewan, it seemed like just in those two weeks off, he, he'd lost a lot. And it seems like Penn State just kind of adapts to circumstances really well. Yeah, I mean, I think, 
you know, there's kind of that implicit understanding of, you know, the onus is on these guys. The onus is not on Kale or Jake Varner or Casey Cunningham or Cody Sanderson or whomever. The onus is on the guys in the room to do what they're supposed to do and to put in the effort. And, like, that's the thing is Kale's not going to babysit anyone. He's not going to, you know, necessarily, like, monitor every second of these guys' lives. He's going to treat them like adults, and he's going to say, if you want to compete and you want to go out there and wrestle, you know, you've got to make sure that that's going to happen. And whether that means going hard in practice, whether that means, you know, not, like, messing around and, you know, like, recklessly exposing yourself to COVID. So, you know, I think that there's kind of that level of discipline inherent in these Penn State teams, and it's such a fabric, you know, of the teams that I think, you know, you're probably right in that Penn State is as well equipped as any team can be to kind of handle, you know, the, the ebbs and flows of this season in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's get into the duel a little bit. Uh, so at 125, it's it's an interesting situation with Michigan. It had been uh, Dylan Ragazin, he'd Looked pretty good. He'd been the guy all year. Uh, tonight against Ohio State, he did not wrestle. It was Kurt McHenry instead. I don't think that's a matter of McHenry beating him out in the room. I would guess Ragazin was deliberately held out from this one. I don't know why exactly, um, but I would imagine it's him. Uh, Jack Medley also weighed in at 125 again. He wrestled an extra match at 125 and beat some backup for Ohio State. Uh, it, I, I think most people didn't even know they were doing extra matches, but at like 10 o'clock tonight, Medley, after winning a huge match to basically win the duel against Jordan Decatur, actually it was against Jacob Decatur uh, in the extra match, beat him 23-8. to And so he's been getting matches at 25, and I think they want to have him eligible for 25. Um I don't know what's going to happen there. Jake, who's Penn State going to have? Yeah, so that's the thing is, you know, we really don't know. So, you know, as we were talking about before, so, you know, Penn State's 3-0 and on the season. Uh, all three matches have been on the road. So they had a, a tri-meet against Northwestern and Indiana, and they didn't travel with the 125-pounder because none of them were medically cleared. And then uh, they turned around a couple days later, and wrestled Wisconsin, and I guess still n- either none of the medical, none of the 125 pounders, excuse me, were medically cleared, or they just couldn't, you know, get them on a plane to Madison for whatever reason. So we haven't seen an 125 pounder yet this year for Penn State. Um, if I had to guess, and it, if I was a gambling man, I my money would probably be on Robbie Howard. Um, you know, I think he came in this year probably as you know, the favorite for that spot, just again, coming out of New Jersey and having the pedi- the high school pedigree that he has, you know, it's, it's alluring and it's, you know, kind of like the next great hope at 125. I mean, Penn State hasn't had an All-American or maybe even an NCAA qualifier, but certainly an All-American at 125 uh, since Nico Megalutis won a title there in 2016. So, you know, I think, you know, I don't know if there's pressure on whoever the guy is at 25, but, you know, I think it'll definitely be interesting to see who they go with. And there are three duels left. So, you know, we've seen, you know, in the first three duels, I think I'm pretty sure I'd have to double check, but we've seen a different lineup, 
in every single dual meet this year for Penn State. And that's usually like par for the course. They like to change things up. But this year, I don't think you're going to see that at 25 because, again, you know, they're just running out of time. I mean, talking about getting guys qualified and getting the four matches, you know, it's going to be tough to, if you've got three duels left and you throw a guy out there every other duel, you know, you're sort of needlessly potentially taking away, you know, a match for him to be eligible and to qualify. I mean, unless they wrestle an extra match, which is always possible. But, you know, I think that if I, again, if I had to guess whoever you see on Sunday at 125, my guess would probably be the starter for the postseason for Penn State. And I think it's probably going to be Robbie Howard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have never seen Howard wrestle. Everything I've heard is that he's pretty good. I'm inclined to guess that he beats McHenry. Uh, I would I would favor Ragazin over Howard. But at this point, I have no idea how any of that goes. Yeah, I mean, he was 133-10 in high school, two-time New Jersey State champion, two-time New Jersey State runner-up. And, you know, you don't necessarily need to know a lot about high school wrestling to know that New Jersey produces, you know, some of the best wrestlers. I mean, Jordan Burroughs, James Green, like a lot of these guys from New Jersey. So, obviously, it's a state that's highly thought of. Um, so Howard's got that going for him. Um, you know, the other kid in the mix, you know, we've heard rumblings that it could be Baylor Shunk. Uh, you know, he appeared on one of the RTC cards, I believe. I don't know a ton about him. Uh, I do know he's like relatively local when it comes to, you know, being from kind of the state college and central Pennsylvania area. Um, but you know, I, I think, again, I think it's probably going to be Howard, and, you know, you have a better assessment on Michigan than I do, um, but, you know, if Raguson is sort of at the level that you say he is, then, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised one way or the other, you know, if Raguson won or if Howard won. Mm-hmm. Then at 133, uh, kind of another question mark for Michigan. Uh, we thought, we hoped it would be Stevan Micic. He has not wrestled at all this year. Uh, it seems like if he didn't wrestle on Friday, he won't uh, come back and wrestle on Sunday. That leaves him with one duel left in the year. Um, seems kind of unlikely that he'll make his way into the lineup. Uh, it's been Jack Medley in every duel, and he's wrestled pretty well. Um, I like his chances to qualify at this weight, uh, although far from guaranteed he lost to Garcia from Indiana, but I think he'll be the guy. Uh, this weekend, taking on Roman Bravo Young, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be RBY. I mean, there's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. And Bravo Young, obviously, are a really good wrestler. Gets to legs really well. Uh, he, yeah, I mean, he's he's a very offensive-minded guy. You know, he likes mm-hmm. to shoot. I mean, he's a guy who's big on, like, not settling and not, you know, resting on his laurels. I mean, you'll, you know, he goes out and tries a lot of things. And he takes a lot of risks, but it pays off. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to bet against him. I mean, he's a two-time All-American, so. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he, he, earlier in his career, he struggled a little bit uh, getting caught in a whizzer and stuff, um, where maybe Medley could have given him problems, but now he finishes much more cleanly. Um, I think he's just going to run away with that match. Yeah. No, I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he gets four or five points out yeah. of that match. I mean, 
yeah, bonus for sure. Uh, yeah. I, I just don't know. Is it you know, a major, it's be a major attack? attack. Yeah. 141. Uh, Drew Matten for Michigan has wrestled pretty well. He lost a close one to Dylan D'Amelio tonight, which um, might have cemented D'Amelio's spot in the lineup over Anthony Echemendia. I have no idea. Um, he's he's wrestled all right this year, uh, but Penn State's got a really good wrestler in Nick Lee. Yeah, that's uh, maybe an understatement. I mean, so for his first, certainly for his first two seasons at Penn State, Nick Lee was the most prolific scorer, uh, I think, in Penn State's lineup, or one of the most prolific scorers in Penn State's lineup. I mean, he was the winningest wrestler in the lineup uh, the last couple of years, and he had one of the highest bonus rates on the team. Uh, didn't have a ton of pins, but gets a lot of major decisions, gets a lot of tech falls. And again, another very offensive-minded guy, another guy who, you know, I think, you know, you look at it and you say, okay, two fifth-place finishes, you know, maybe people aren't necessarily super impressed by that. Um, but I think he's a better wrestler than having finished fifth. And I think, you know, he made it to the finals of the Big Ten tournament last year and dropped a really close match to Luke Pletcher. And I think that, you know, you know, he had beaten Pletcher in the Ohio State duel last year. And so I think had they met again in the NCAA tournament, you know, it would have been a toss-up. But I would not have been surprised if Nick Lee, like, won the title at 141 last year. Wouldn't have shocked me one bit. Um, so I think he's definitely come a long way from his freshman and sophomore year uh, when he's taken fifth. And again, he, I, like, to me, he and Aaron Brooks are kind of the backbone of Penn State's team in terms of, like, you know what you're going to get every time out, and it's going to be high scoring, and it's going to be, you know, a pretty dominant offensive showing. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in Nick Lee. I... This may have changed because Ironman from Iowa has looked really good, and I haven't really studied it and reassessed. But going into the year, I thought Nick Lee would beat Jaden Ironman uh, pretty comfortably. He beat him in freestyle last time they wrestled. Ironman kind of just waits on you to shoot, and then he's going to win. He's going to let you kind of get to a position, and then he'll just try and win that position. And he's such a good scrambler. He's so good when you're in on his leg. He feels like he can win all of those positions. Uh, but Nick Lee just finishes so well uh, that Lee's going to end up getting to his shot as often as he wants, and he's going to be able to score. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's I think, another convincing win for Penn State. 149, Michigan will have Cannon Store. He looked all right tonight against Sammy Sasso. Uh, the final score was 8-1. to one. It seemed like he could have made it closer if he'd shut things down more, which uh, I would have appreciated because it it would have made sure he didn't get bonused, uh, would have made it easier for Michigan to uh, cement that duel. Um, he'll be taking on, uh, do we know who it'll be at 49? We don't. So that's the one thing that when Kale spoke to the media on Wednesday, he said that 49 is not finalized and solidified. They've had, you know, a different guy at 49 in each of their first three matches this year. Uh, they had Jared Verclearen to open the season against um, Indiana, and at the time Verclearen was ranked 10th in the country, dropped a 4-3 decision to then-unranked Graham Rooks. I don't know if Rooks is still in the rankings, but I think he cracked them um, a week or two ago for beating Verclearen. Then 
the match later in the day against Northwestern, uh, they went with Terrell Barraclaw at 49, and then a couple days later against Wisconsin, they went with Luke Gardner at 49. So, you know, it's probably going to be one of those three guys. Bo Pfeiffer uh, could potentially be in the mix at 49 as well. Um, I mean, I think Verclaren's, you know, clearly I think the most experienced at the weight and has seen the most action there for Penn State. So it's hard to, you know, bet against experience. But, you know, he apparently got banged up either in an extra match or in the match against Rooks, which is why he didn't go. But, you know, who knows to what extent that was ailing him. And, again, you know, Penn State was supposed to wrestle Iowa tonight. We're recording this on a Friday. Um, I don't know who would have gone. And, you know, who knows, maybe having an extra two days, you know, could clarify things or it could muddle things. I mean, you know, I... I don't really know. I'm obviously not in the room, but, you know, to say with any certainty, I think, you know, we'd be kidding ourselves. I think it, that is definitely the way that's the most open in Penn State's lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought going into the year, Bo Bartlett would probably end up being the guy, and he's been wrestling extra matches at 41. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it, Kale has spoken highly of Bartlett, but, you know, I think they don't want to mess with moving Nick Lee up. And, you know, I think that, again, it's the whole thing where, like, the freshman in Penn State's lineups, you know, typically are more seasoned and more experienced. Now, who knows? Bartlett could get his four matches in, only wrestling extra matches, and then could be the guy at 49 come postseason mm-hmm. time. I mean, you know, no one really knows. So, yeah, again, I, you know, I think, listen, he's a hell of a wrestler. So, you know, I wouldn't be necessarily super surprised one way or another. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think Penn State uh, cares all that much about the result of this duel. But if you no, did, and... it seems like you would send Bartlett. Because I think Stor- I mean, Verclaren's a, a solid wrestler. He's pretty much not going to beat anyone all that good. He's going to kind of beat the guys below him, and he's going to lose to the guys above him. And that seems like uh, not the winning formula against Storr, who's also very solid and ranked like number six. But Bartlett maybe, uh, you know, is just able to get to legs a lot more and ends up pulling out a match against Cannon Store. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, th- I think he's making his lineup decisions based on what's getting our team ready for March. And I don't yeah, know what that'll and, be. And that's the thing is covering this team for as long as I have. You know, not to say they don't care about winning dual meets, because obviously they do. And obviously they want to win. But. The focus, you know, because I, I remember, you know, I, I wrote a big story on Kale. His 10th anniversary uh, was a couple of years ago of getting hired and taking the job and everything. And he said he wasn't brought here to win dual meets. He was brought here to win national championships. And he stressed that, you know, last year when they lost to Arizona State to end their 60-some-odd match winning streak, you know, if he wins on Sunday, it'll be his 200th career win as a head coach. He'll be only the second coach in program history to have ever coached at Penn State and won 200 matches, the other being Bill Cole, father of current Cornell coach Rob Cole, um, who did it at Penn State and University of Northern Iowa. Kale would have done it at Iowa State and Penn State. And, you know, we didn't ask him about it, but again, I'm sure he's going to say, you know, yeah, it's a nice accomplishment. But, you know, winning in March is kind of more what it boils down to. And so, Jack, I think your point is exactly right. Like, yes, 
you know, they want to be competitive in duels because that is sort of the tune-up and the preparation for March. But if getting ready for duels means that you have a guy lose or take a couple of lumps along the way to show an area for improvement, you know, they're more than willing to do that also. At 157, Michigan's going to have Will Lewan, who looked really just rusty against uh, Elijah Cleary from Ohio State. Um, it, he looked like he was having some of the same issues he did early in his freshman year, where he just wasn't getting to legs. He was very straight on and very square, but also not um, not a lot of elevation change and not moving his opponent out of position very well. He gets to <clears throat> he gets to a tie that he likes and he thinks, "There, I've done it. You know, I'm, I'm winning the hand fight. I've got this." And not enough work from there, and not enough. Like he, he's too content to take a tie that he he just likes and feels comfortable in, um, rather than a tie that gives him better scoring options. Uh, and then when he when he did get to a shot tonight, as the match went on, he he was shooting more and more, but he was not doing anything. He wasn't circling. He wasn't driving in. He was just kind of sitting there. And Cleary would square up and get to a stalemate. Um, Penn State, I think it'll be Brady Berge, right? Yeah, it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, how do you think Berge's season has gone coming back from injury? Yeah, well, and listen, he didn't just come back from any injury. I mean, you know, for Terrible concussions, who, right? Yeah, I mean, for, for people who aren't aware, uh, Brady Berge and Bo Nickel uh, both competed at the Under-23 World Championships last year in Budapest, and uh, Nickel, I think, took home a gold medal. Berge made it pretty far, and then... Uh, was wrestling and basically his head hit the mat, snapped back, and you know I don't know what happened. It sort of in the moment, but you know as we understand it, it was certainly either a head or a neck injury that basically kept Berge out for all but two matches last year. And you know he was dealing with concussions and you know a lot of the post-concussion symptoms that come with that and having hit his head as hard as he did. So you know it's not like it was you know, a knee or an elbow or a shoulder that you can necessarily, like, rehab and strengthen. I mean, you know, when it's a concussion and, you know, suffering those symptoms, you know, it's very much, you're, like, more obviously at the whims of kind of what's going on. And so I think even the fact that he's taking the mat this year and the fact that he's wrestling, you know, I think is impressive. And you see him, he's got, you know, kind of a modified headgear, um, to, I think help stabilize things. Yeah, that uh, Stephen Monk thing. I've I've never understood how that works. What it actually does. Yeah, I you know I I don't know either. Not having ever wrestled, um, but I I do believe that's its purpose is to stabilize things. Um, and you know he's I mean he's looked good. He I think I tweeted it about it, but you know one of the matches he picked up a bonus point when he. Won by major decision. It was his first major decision, or his first bonus point win in, like, two years. Uh, and his last one was against Parker Phileas in the Big Ten tournament a couple of years ago. Um, so, you know, I think he's starting to get back sort of in the swing of things and get back in the groove. And he's a guy who was kind of a tweener for a while at 49 and 57. You know, he was a couple of years ago locked in a roster battle with... Uh, you know, Jared Verclearen and Bo Pfeiffer and Luke Gardner uh, at 49. He, you know, saw, again, saw some time at 57. So he's kind of been sort of firmly in the middle of Penn State's lineup. And now, 
you know, 57 is sort of squarely his. And I think he's a guy who, you know, I, I don't know that people, I don't know what people's expectations were coming in for him, but he, to me, strikes me as the type of guy who, you know, just based on what I've seen, could st- definitely, like, you know, finish better than his seed at the Big Ten tournament. And I wouldn't be shocked if he's, like, a blood round guy or maybe even, like, a low-end All-American talking, like, six, seven, eight. I mean, you know, I think that, you know, 57 is maybe not, like, a tremendous weight class again because we haven't seen Ryan No, Deacon. I think it's pretty tough, actually. The, um... The, it's it's a crowded kind of four. Yeah, it's crowded. Like Fifteen. I, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and again, I guess like maybe an easier way to get fifth at, but a uh, a tough way to get top eight at if you're in that tier. That's kind of yeah, all battling no, definitely. each other. And I mean, you know, right now Intermat has Bergie at nine, and two guys in the big, uh, three guys in the Big Ten ahead of him. Ryan Deacon hasn't wrestled yet this year, I don't think. Um, but yeah, so like Kendall Coleman and Brayton Lee are both above him. Um, and so, you know, again, I think he's a guy who could surprise people and could, you know, maybe pull off a couple of upsets here and there, but he's a guy who, you know, Kale has sort of routinely sang his praises and he's somebody who they have confidence in that he can go out there and score points for them and be, you know, a productive presence for them and in the middle of their lineup. Yeah, I was pretty high on Bergie going into this year. Um... I thought he was pretty good at 149 his freshman year. He yeah, I mean he was an NCAA qualifier. He had qualifier a tough draw. He, who was the guy? He he lost to like David Thorne, uh, yeah. and then Thorne lost to Lugo or something. But Bergie had beaten Lugo, and I thought he, with a better path, could have been a top eight guy that year. Yeah, he uh, he you know he won sudden victory over Pat Lugo, um, at the Big Ten tournament to get into the NCAA championships, and then he went two and two at NCAAs. So again, you know, he's shown prowess in the past. I mean, you know, as a freshman, he beat Jarrett Deegan when he was seventh in the country. Mm -hmm. He, you know, beat Josh Baruka and he, you know, has beaten some ranked guys and some guys. Yeah, I thought if he was able to, uh, to pick up where he left off, he'd be a top eight guy for sure. It's just a question of how much he was set back. I, I also think, you know, I think 57 is probably a bit more natural for him than 49 was. So, like, yes, he posted those results at 49 as a freshman two years ago. But I think the, the time off coupled with being maybe a more natural 57-pounder, I think is definitely going to play in his favor. Yeah, that all makes sense. Uh, so at 165, uh, Michigan has Cam Amin, who's been pretty impressive so far in his freshman year. Uh Taking on another freshman, uh, Joe Lee, right? Yes, who is Nick Lee's brother and one of th- three Lee brothers in the Penn State program at the moment. Uh, Twitter would tell you otherwise, but go on. Oh. Um, no, I mean, yeah, Matt Lee and Joe Lee and Nick Lee all hail from the Hoosier State of Indiana. And, yeah, Joe Lee, uh, I think he's also 3-0 on the season. Um, but he's... You know, he's ranked in the top 10, and he's certainly looked, uh, you know, pretty impressive for the most part. Um, You know, I think he faltered a little bit early out of the gate and maybe, you know, wasn't as explosive as some people were expecting and had some troubles, you know, mat wrestling and getting off bottom and everything. But I think that those are things that he will, you know, definitely improve on as the season progresses. 
and he's a guy who I think the expectation, again, is there like his brother, that he will kind of become a go-to bonus point guy. I mean, yeah, so he, he won by decision his first match, and, you know, he won by, just looking here, um, yeah, so, I mean, he, he's won by, like, decision a bunch of times, not a bunch of times, but twice, um, and he's a guy who I think, again, having gray-shirted is going to benefit him because he's been in the room for a really long time. And, you know, Nick was talking about how he is the older brother. You know, he gives a lot of – he gives advice, and then, you know, he basically puts the onus on Matt and Joe as his younger brothers to, you know, if they want to heed that advice, great. But he sort of speaks to them from their experiences. Um and, yeah, I mean, he picked up a major against Patrick Spray of Wisconsin. Uh, that was his first bonus point win of the year. Um, and he's, I mean, here's the tough thing, is, like, Penn State's first three opponents weren't necessarily, like, cream of the crop in the Big Ten. It was Indiana, Northwestern, and Wisconsin, and Wisconsin's having a bit of a down year with no Evan Wick, and Trent Hilger didn't wrestle against Penn State. So, you know, they haven't seen many, like, nationally ranked guys. Um, I th think, you know, Aaron Brooks beating Chris Weiler against Wisconsin was one of the only ranked matchups Penn State's had this year. And so I think that that's maybe also not necessarily super representative of, you know, some of these guys' seasons and some of these guys' results. But I, I do think Joe Lee is the real deal. You know, I don't know if he's going to be a freshman All-American. I don't know if he's going to be a freshman national champ. But I think he's a guy who, come postseason time, Penn State can definitely rely upon to score points. Yeah, Cam Amin is having uh, a good year. He had a tough match tonight with Ethan Smith from Ohio State. He actually was leading the match uh, and then got taken down uh, with maybe 30 seconds to go. Uh, that, that was a tough one to lose. Um, it shows kind of the level he's at that he... He can go with a number 10 in the country type of guy, but he's not going to win a lot of those. And it seems like yeah. Lee is is kind of in that group. He's in the 5 to 10 more than the 10 to 20 type of range. And I think he's probably a step ahead of Cam Amin right now. Moving on to 174, Michigan's got Logan Massa taking on uh, Carter Starashi. Is that right? Yep. And how do you see uh, that match going? Yeah, so I mean, I think that that's going to be an interesting match, and I think, you know, there was a lot of, I don't know if doubt or worry, but I, I think people were certainly surprised uh, when Sirachi lost his match uh, to Donnell or DJ Washington of Indiana early in the season. Um, you know, Washington was up, I think, 10-1 or 10-0, and Sirachi kind of came storming back, but it wasn't enough. And he scored eight unanswered points, but it wasn't enough to overcome the deficit. And, you know, routinely on Wednesday when Kale spoke to the media, you know, he talked about how ultimately it's going to be good for Starachi and it's going to be a blessing. And not that he likes when guys lose, certainly, but that there is something to be gained from a loss and that there is, you know, you can learn from what happened in a loss and sort of build upon that and use that as a stepping stone. Then he came back and he, uh, you know, he looked much better against Northwestern. 
Um, and then, you know, the interesting thing is... He kind of struggled beat... with Kratiger, right? Yeah, that's... I, I was going to get there. You know, he only beat Jared Kratiger 5-3, and, you know, Purdue took on... Uh, Minnesota, or sorry, Wisconsin took on Minnesota today, excuse me. And Kratiger actually pulled off uh, the upset. He beat number 15th ranked kid in the country by a 5-3 decision. So, you know, I'm not like, so, you know, who knows what's going to happen. I mean, Starachi won the Southern Scuffle last year, beat four or five ranked guys and route to the Southern Scuffle title wrestling unattached. I think he beat a couple of guys who wound up going on to become NCAA qualifiers. So, you know, again, he's a guy in the past who also has shown he's got a track record. So I don't know what the issue was, but he's two and one on the season. Uh, you know, he's only got his two wins were only by decisions. And, you know, I, I don't know if people were necessarily expecting him to come in and replicate, you know, Mark Hall's success or anything like that in terms of, you know, caliber of scoring and offensive output um and you know it's certainly too early to know for certain but you know i do think that you know kale definitely didn't seem particularly worried about sirachi and his performance up to this point and you know who am i and who are we to say that no you're wrong kale sanderson you need to worry mm -hmm. yeah i was really high on him going into the year i watched um some of his matches to preview his uh, one of the Nittany Lion cards. He wrestled against Devin Skaska. Yeah. Uh, and I, I watched some of his old matches for that. And then uh, the, the match against Skaska, he won 10 0 uh, and just looked really good. He's so good positionally, like in terms of, you know, like his, his stance and his hand fighting. But when he attacks, he gets to the hip and he's always in really good position. He never gets extended, he never gets broken down. Um, and so, so he's able to finish really easily. It's, it's sort of the opposite of a lot of freshmen. They come in uh, and they can score on anybody. It's just positionally they're not as good. They get taken down too much. They uh, they get scored on off their own shot too much. And he didn't have any of that. But then he... Um, yeah, I mean, he, he looked kind of gassed. He, he didn't wrestle that well. It wasn't just the result went badly. I thought he didn't look great in some of his matches but um you know for for his first couple college matches it's pretty excusable and I think he'll be top eight come March and the question is just how high yeah you know he he looked you know I, I don't know if gassed is the right word but you know maybe the intensity and the energy weren't where a lot of people thought it would be and again going back to the whole thing about the two-week pause um you know he's a guy who came out and maybe looked again slower out of the gate than people thought and like you just said, you know, it being his first dual matches, you know, that's understandable. I think also having, you know, that two-week pause, you know, maybe the expectation for a guy who's wrestling is different than what the reality turns out to be. So, you know, I think there could be a bunch of factors at play. But, you know, again, based on last year's result, winning the Southern Scuffle, which is not necessarily always a cakewalk of a tournament, and I just think, you know coming in as highly tattered as he was, you know, again, if he were a top eight guy, I would not be surprised. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and Logan Massa has been wrestling pretty well this year. He's been like really sloppy at certain moments of uh, his first couple matches, but he's, he's gotten good results. He has, I think three majors and a pin. Uh, and he's been finishing really, really cleanly when he gets to guys legs. Um, 
Now in this match, how easily does he get to with the legs? I don't know. But I think he gets a couple. Um, I, I think Massa wins this one something like 4-2. to two. Yeah, again, I like. I don't think it's going to be a blowout one way or the other. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Starachi pulled off the upset. But, I mean, uh, there's... Uh, I find it hard to believe that there will be bonus points in this match. So, mm-hmm. 184, uh, Michigan sent out Jelani Embry uh, tonight against Ohio State. He did not look great. He looked fatigued. He really struggled on bottom, got flattened out, uh, gave up a bunch of tilts. Um, but I still think he's a better option than somebody like Joe Walker at this point. Uh, Penn State, of course, has uh, Aaron Brooks. Jake, how is Brooks' season gone this year? Uh, he's, again, you know, Kale has talked about him and extolled his virtues too. I mean, he is, along with Nick Lee and Roman Bravo Young, I mean, just one of the backbones of this Penn State team and one of kind of the most reliable guys that you always know what you're going to get, and he's kind of a calming, consistent presence both on and off the mat. And, you know, Kale talked about with having such a young team, you know, how beneficial that is. And, you know, he, I mean, listen, he made his debut last year against Lehigh uh, when, because uh, Kyle Gannell got hurt, and then Shakur Rashid bumped up to 197 pounds, and Brooks took Rashid's spot at 184 pounds. Um, so, you know, he's sort of been a fixture in the lineup since he was a freshman last year. And he uh, he became the first true freshman to uh, win a, Penn, a Big Ten title in Penn State program history. Um, and he was probably pretty primed to become the third freshman in program history to win an NCAA title. Obviously, NCAAs didn't happen, um, but yeah, I mean, I think whoever Michigan throws out, uh, I don't think it's going to matter. I think Brooks by, you know, major or tech wouldn't surprise me. I, I mean, he hasn't pinned a lot of guys. Um, he beat Cam Caffey 3-2 in the Big Ten Finals last year, but, you know, if he got a pin, I wouldn't necessarily be shocked either. But he is, I think for my money, probably him and Nick Lee are like, the two most lethal, if you want to use that word, guys in Penn State's lineup. Yeah, um, with uh, with Miles Amin out, uh, Brooks is definitely it in that conversation. I would say the favorite to win a title at 184. Um, Jelani Embry, I, I don't think he'll have much for him, but I, I could see him staying in the match. Um, if nothing else, just because... Brooks isn't like a killer on top. He's he's more of a, a neutral wrestler. Um, I mean, he, he's plenty good, but I don't think he'll do what Rocky Jordan did tonight. Um, but but Brooks is way too good. He's going to win this match, I think, pretty easily. Yeah, and like I, I was just looking, Penn State didn't wrestle Michigan last year. But I mean, if you look at Brooks' results from last year, he beat Abasad seven three. He beat Rocky Jordan. He beat. Webster, he pinned Tanner Venz, or Taylor Venz, excuse me. Uh, Didn't he also the, lose to him, like, weirdly? Yeah, he lost 9-5 in the duel and then came back yeah. and pinned him in four minutes uh, in the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, he's definitely a guy who, again, can go out there and beat, you know, some top-tier and top-flight competition. So, 
you know, mm-hmm. I, I think he's definitely going to be one to watch. How do you think he stacks up with somebody like uh, Hunter Bolin or Trent Heidling? Uh, now you're asking a lot of me because I don't watch much college wrestling in my free time, admittedly, which I know is sacrilege to say in your presence. Um, but, I mean, just in what I've seen from uh, Brooks, I mean, he to me looks like he's got sort of every tool possible that you would need to win an NCAA title and that you would want out of a guy who you hope would be a title contender. Mm -hmm. And 84, I think, is throughout the weight is pretty uh, stingy, guys. And so I think if if you can take care of business against those guys, it translates pretty well to somebody like Hunter Bolin, who's very, very solid, but um, cannot match Brooks for firepower. Mm Mm-hmm. So moving on to 197, uh, Miles Amin uh, has finally made his debut. He um, didn't look great, but he did all right. Beat Gavin Hoffman, who's a pretty good wrestler at 197, taking on, I believe, Michael Beard. Yep. Um, and yeah, Beard went, you know, 13-3 and last year competing unattached. Um, he was a prep national champion at 195 in high school. Um, he, you know, again, he's another guy, so he didn't wrestle, uh, the first match of the season, uh, actually, or the, you know, he, so he missed Penn State's first two matches of the season, but he competed against Wisconsin, um, and he looked pretty good. He, I'm pulling it up now. Yeah, so I mean, he he got a tech fall over Andrew Salimi or Salami, however you pronounce his last name. Sorry, Andrew, if you're listening. Um, but yeah, he got an eighteen to two tech fall and kind of wasted no time. Uh, and I think that's kind of what people expect is you know high powered offense and a guy who's going to go out and going to score a lot, going to take a lot of shots. And you know he, like, you know he's a guy. So it's interesting. You know we were talking about. Starachi and the way that he came out and the way that he started and you know maybe you know the two-week pause for Penn State might have hurt him in some capacity but you know whatever it was I mean Beard wasn't medically cleared Penn State's first two matches but whatever the reason was was not prevalent against Wisconsin I mean he looked at the top of his game he looked really good and, you know, he looked like somebody who's going to go out there and threaten for, you know, not maybe not a title, but certainly going to be, you know, a big point scorer come postseason time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say uh, I see this one going a means way, but uh, he'll have to actually, you know, compete. He'll have to wrestle seven minutes, and that's, that's not guaranteed. So should be um, should be an interesting one. Uh, at 285, uh, it'll be Mason Paris for Michigan taking on probably Seth Nevels. Definitely Seth mm-hmm. Nevels. Uh, Kale Sanderson announced on Wednesday that Greg Kirkley will not suit up for the Nittany Lions this year. Uh, didn't say why. Uh, the speculation is injury, um, but, you know, that is, you know, definitely a big development out of the Penn State room. I mean, you know, Kale said that if Greg were available, he would be the guy going right now at heavyweight. But also, I mean, listen, Neville's is no slouch. He 
went 13 and six, I think it was last year, 13 and four. Um, and, you know, he beat Christian Lance, you know, he has beaten some other good guys. You know, he tried to hold his own against Cassiope. Um, you know, he lost to Gable, but, you know, at this point, kind of who doesn't, um, but I mean, I think Neville's is vastly improved even from last year. I mean, I think, you know, I was talking about this with some other people, you know, I just think he looks a lot more dangerous on offense. And I think he, you know, has added some new moves to his arsenal. And I think he is definitely using his size a bit more to his advantage. So I think he's a kid who, you know, again, could surprise people. He actually... So even though we went 13 and four, uh, he medically defaulted out of the Big Ten tournament last year, which uh, I don't know if that's what prevented him from getting that large bit to NCAAs. Because I thought, you know, I was certainly of the belief, and I think other people were too, that you know he probably would have gotten in that large bid, but I don't think it would have mattered because I think he was like pretty seriously hurt. Um, so I don't know if he would have gone to NCAAs. Um, but I think he's a guy who. You know, I, you know, I don't know if he's going to beat Mason Paris. I don't know if he's going to beat Tony Cassiope. But I think he's a guy who kind of in, you know, could be in the like 7 to 15 range of wrestlers, you know, on any given night. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. And um, this is the kind of guy that uh, in the last year or two, Mason Paris has really taken care of business against. He just beat Orndorff from Ohio State. 20 to 5 and I thought just stylistically that one was um pretty a pretty easy matchup for Paris. I thought he would at least major him. I thought he might have pinned him. Um this one I I think is slightly tougher because Neville's uh I think moves a little bit better, but again, I think it's going to be a pretty dominant win for Mason Paris. Yeah. I mean so, you know, they didn't compete last year against each other. Um but you know, again, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Paris got bonus points in this one. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you've been keeping count, but how do you see the uh, the team score playing out here? Oh, God, I have not really been. So j- just um number of matches you think Penn State wins, I guess. Uh, so I think so they'll I think, win. I think you guys win 33 with no Ragazin. Yeah, 33, uh, I think he, 41. Or 25 with him and 33 with no Micic. You'll yeah. win 41, I think you guys win. 49, I think, could be mm-hmm. a toss-up depending on I'd who say, it is. I'd say 49, I would go Michigan, but 57, I would call a toss-up. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if Verclearance healthy, uh, he's shown flashes in the mm-hmm. past. Yeah, this one maybe um, one where we disagree, so keep your but, own count. You've got yeah, so Rio I've got, with a couple of toss-ups. Yeah, I've got 57, uh, 65. Uh, I would lean Penn State, but it's... Maybe win. Yeah, I think I'm going to lean Penn State there too. 74, Uh, I would take Michigan. Yeah. 84, I would take Penn State. Yeah, 97, I'll. 97, I'm giving to Michigan. Heavyweight, I'm giving Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, so I've got it. Give me a second here. Sorry. So So I've got Michigan uh, winning four, and then maybe Will Lawan could be a fifth. Uh, Some chance maybe that Camamine makes it to six. Um, and then I guess we have to look at bonus. Yeah. Uh, Michigan's only real chance, I think, for bonus is at heavy. 
And I think there's a lot of ways where Penn State could be getting bonus. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked yeah, if, I think. Um, uh, if Amin got... Oh, if he majored Beard? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't think he's going to tech him, and I don't think he's going to pin him. But, okay. you know, I could see, like, yeah, you know, I'm, a, I'm probably a 13 a little to bit, 4. I'm um, pessimistic like a, about him just based on what I saw tonight. But, yeah. Yeah, that like, could be uh, in play. Yeah, like a 13-4 to 4 type thing mm -hmm. wouldn't necessarily surprise me. Um, so I think ton. at 33, we'll, uh, we could see a major. I think at 41 uh, could be at least a major. Yeah. Um, 49, I think, is probably going to be a decision. 49 is a decision. 57 should be a decision. decision. 65-74. Uh, Aaron Brooks at 84 should probably be Aaron Brooks is going to be bonus, bonus definitely. Um, so Michigan needs... At least needs a Will Awan to win and Paris to pin, and very likely could end up needing to win six matches in this one. Yeah, I mean, again, like I wouldn't be shocked one way or another if a couple of these happened. Um, I mean, you have to think that you know anybody who is going to be ready to go tonight against Iowa will be ready to go Sunday with the extra time to prepare. So you know, we'll see if that plays in Penn State's favor, or we'll see if. You know, having a longer layoff hurts them. Um, and, you know, they also haven't competed at home yet this year. They were supposed to compete at home against Iowa. So, you know, we'll see if the travel gets to them and everything like that. Just, you know, being on the road and having to deal with, you know, what is involved in that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'll go probably six matches to four for Penn State. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, two or three of Michigan's wins were by bonus points. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a competitive duel, but I think Penn State probably does have the edge, um, which is which is tough to admit because Michigan's always been a tough duel team, and I like to think of Michigan as being the number two team in the country this year. But I guess we'll see how it goes on Sunday. Yeah, certainly. Mm -hmm. uh, Jake, a couple things before we go. Um, sure. Where can the people uh, find you and your work online? Yeah, so uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it's just at Jake underscore my last name, Afariat. That's A-F-E-R-I-A-T. Uh, or you can visit collegian.psu.edu. Uh, go to the sports tab. You'll see the wrestling section, and you'll see stories by me and my great B partner, uh, the always good Ben Surface. Um and, yeah, that's where you can find most of my work. Great. And um, what is uh, a match that you recommend everybody watch? Uh, yeah, I'm going to – and I told Jack about this before, and it surprised him, but I'm going to go with uh, Makai Lewis beating Vincenzo Joseph at NCAAs two years ago because I think that was – I don't know if that was, like, Lewis's declaration of, like, I'm here and him bursting onto the scene – but, you know, I do think that people sort of pegged Joseph as the favorite to win going in. And then, you know, Lewis won. And NCAAs having been in Pittsburgh that year, you know, it was a lot of Penn State fans in attendance, especially since Penn State had a bunch of guys in the finals. And that quieted the crowd very quickly. And, you know, Tony Roby and a bunch of the Virginia Tech guys, like, stormed uh, Makai's press conference and like we're congratulating him. I mean, I think he was their first ever national champ. Yeah, Don't quote so. me on that, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was. Um, and to beat a guy like Vincenzo Joseph of that caliber, 
you know, was a big deal. And, you know, Tom Ryan said something interesting to me after the match. You know, it, he was saying how, you know, it, part of the what makes wrestling great is, you know, they could have wrestled that match, you know, f 10 times. And, you know, Vincenzo Joseph could have won that match nine times out of 10, but it's just winning it like that one time when it really counts. And I think he wins it like six out of 10. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just like sort of paraphrasing what Tom Ryan said to me. Um, but, you know, I, I think that that was a match where, you know, it was, I, I don't know if it was quite like David versus Goliath, because I, I don't want to downplay how good Mikhail Lewis is, because I think he's tremendous. Um, but I think that that was a match where, you know, a lot of people were pretty surprised by the outcome. And I think it was just, even like beyond the outcome, I just think that it was a great wrestling match above all else. Mm -hmm. In that same spirit, I guess, of your your team losing, <laughs> I'll recommend uh, the uh, 2018 Michigan-Penn State duel. Uh, there's some really good matches in that one. Uh, Alec Pantaleo lost to Jason Nolf, but it was pretty close. Uh Miles Amin against Mark Hall was a really good match, and uh, Dominic Abinader against uh, uh, Bo Nickel. Three uh, really exciting matches. Penn State won them all. Penn State won um, a couple of key scrambles, but uh, some really good wrestling. Yeah, no, certainly. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find me on Twitter at OldestGreatest. You can find the show at MitchWrestlePod. Jake, uh, thanks for your time. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me.